Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 115. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? Eh. eh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the pause. And this is the, the, pa- eh. <laughs> the pause. I was thinking, you know, like, eh, I'm doing all right, but nah. I'm like a meh. Okay. All right. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, this week we're going to be speaking with director Alex Liu and talk about his latest documentary, A Sexplanation, which is currently funding on Indiegogo. Then we're going to be going over some of what we've been watching before getting into two feature reviews. This week we'll be talking about Ty West's The Sacrament, and we'll be having Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on the show for a review of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Packed show this week. Mm-hmm. Packed. Mm-hmm. Packing it up. Whoa. First up, let's have a chat with director Alex Liu and talk about his film, A Sexplanation. Alex, thanks so much for coming on the show, talking to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's you. just start off by telling the, the, the listeners, um, for those of you that don't know um, about your YouTube channel, maybe you could just give us some backstory. <laughs> yeah. So... So actually, so I have a YouTube channel called The Science of Sin, and and the idea of that was uh, how do I get like a maybe a young adult, 16, 17, 18-year-old interested in science? My kind of passion has always been promoting science literacy. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, when you lose people at those age around science, it's usually because science stops becoming about, you know, um, dinosaurs and space travel and uh, these fun things that are becoming more abstract when you get into kind of the, the minutia of biology, chemistry, and physics. And I thought, well, when I was that age, uh, what was I into? And I was into basically <laughs> uh, learning about sex and drugs. And so I kind of had this idea of, well, you know, you know, there's such bad sex and drug education in, in the country. Uh, this can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get to the science of pleasure, really, and also kind of help educate people to make more informed choices when it comes to uh yeah, take making those choices. So basically, it's like an R-rated version of Bill Nye the Science Guy. <laughs> you could put it that way. That that is that is how I've been uh, pitched before. Yes. <laughs> and so the YouTube channel covers uh, not just sex, but also like drugs and things like like that. Whereas. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of I, I kind of um taking a tongue-in-cheek idea of, of pleasure, but really it's about taboo. These ideas of that we consider taboo because they're pleasurable. So anything along those lines, I'll try. I'll try to. Tackle. So the film, a sexplanation, that's just covering. Well, let's let's talk about that. So that's covering yeah. just uh, the idea of sex in the modern times. What are some of the different things that you're going to be covering in the documentary? Yeah. So this is kind of it is. Uh, I pitch this as a shame-free uh, take on sex education, but basically, this is like a my personal take on like your high school public health education video, (laughs) except kind of blown out and and maybe a little more uh, um, raw is maybe the best (laughs) way to put it. But basically, you know, you know, we don't really get great sex, get great sex education. Uh, We probably, you know, most schools, if you did get it, and if you went to a public school like I did, you know, their main mandate is really to prevent pregnancy, sexually transmitted infections, and probably abuse. And uh, so when you learn about sex from that angle you know you kind of see it as dangerous you kind of see it as risky um and and while sex is are those things um you know it's so much more and there's so much more meaning and uh it's really kind of taking that evidence what what do we actually know about sex and really giving people the kind of the uh you know from 
from the perspective that sex is something that we're all going to pursue most likely in our life, you know, what what would I want to have to have known when I was 18, basically? So is it going to get into, I, I would assume that it's going to take a, kind of a scientific approach. Is it going to get into like the minutia of the act of sex? Is it going to get into different... Um, yeah, so so basically the way I'm, I'm I'm kind of layering it right now is, um, and we're, we're kind of now getting into the fun part of, of deciding what stories to tell in the documentary, but basically taking it from a biological, so taking it from literally, you know, what is how is your body reacting to sex? How does it, what what happens when you're having sex after all those things? Then take get to the next level, which is kind of more your, you know, um, and neurology, psychology, you know, what are like the, the hormones going through your brain? How does your brain react? Uh, what does it mean about you and your identity, all those things, and then taking it kind of the next step to the sociological cultural aspects of sex, which is basically, you know, how is sex used in society? Uh, how is it viewed in culture? And, uh, you know, how, how do you incorporate all these different facets into a sex life that fits who you are and uh, is healthy, basically? So it's also going to get into the idea of sexual relationships and people that have like casual sex partners versus people that are in uh, like committed relationships, like monogamous right, yeah, relationships. Ex exactly, exactly. You know, you know, I think, uh, you know, when, when, when we think about sex and love and relationships, you know, I, you know, I don't know what your experience is like, but I probably, you know, uh, movies and television were probably the, my best education when it came to that. And, and in the real world, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate right. to who you are. And, you know, you're kind of given this very narrow band of kind of acceptable sexual relationships. And, and there's just so much more when it comes to the diversity of human sexuality. Now, will you be like, uh, like interviewing people that have different sexual preferences? Is it going to be like, uh, like case studies? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So, so we kind of want to do this, um, you know, we'll definitely do this in kind of like what you're saying, like the Bill Nye, the science guy kind of <laughs> way. And, you know, you know, getting at, you know, doing your little kind of science lesson. Uh, but really, you know, I think it'll be more captivating to see someone who's kind of, you know, you know, uh, walking the talk, so to say. So getting someone who is into, say, BDSM kink, finding someone who is in maybe a polyamorous relationship or finding someone who, um, you know, for, for sex is really not important to them. Really, really getting at the uh, seeing how sex actually works in the real world and talking to kind of the biologists and the sociologists and, and their life stories uh, kind of to create this narrative that basically shows, you know, sex is... Um, is a very key part of being human and a very key part of what makes a meaningful life. Now, will you be profiling people that have like uh, different sexual preferences as far as like transgendered individuals and homosexuals and things like that so, as well? Yeah. So we, we have some people who we've been talking to, you know, we've been doing a lot of preliminary interviews and the people fall along that spectrum. Definitely. And, you know, we're still unsure about how, if they'll actually make it to the final cut, but yeah, but basically we think, that uh, we, we wouldn't be doing the documentary justice if we didn't touch upon, uh, you know, the whole spectrum of sexual and gender diversity. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's that's certainly one thing that's lacking in our sex education system. Now, granted, oh, yeah. it's been years since I've had sex education in school, <laughs> but I feel like especially like for those people more than anything, they, they kind of need a little bit more guidance because you oh, know oh yeah they're not sure what's what's happening with them and I, yeah and, and there's such an extra added layer of shame on top of that. exactly you know, like they're, they're just you know it's so hard not to internalize kind of the societal messages we get that that you know not only is sex terrifying but it's like incredibly shameful because of just how you happen to be born you know? right now do you do you see the way the modern 
sex, the way that sex is looked at in modern times, rather, do you, do you think that it's different than, let's say, 15, 20 years ago with the popularization of the internet? Do you think that that's yes, the way that yes. we look at you know, sex I, is different? I think there's two things you can say about that um, uh, that come to mind. The first is just the prevalence of internet porn, free internet porn. You mm-hmm. know, I think uh, I kind of came of age at the tail end of that. Uh, and, and I would say that, you know, pornography is is how many people kind of are really uh, first experience what sex actually looks like and how it actually works. Um, and, and, and you know, for me, that, that maybe it was it's I had an area to kind of understand what was out there and to kind of understand what my fantasies were and what I might like. Uh, but it doesn't really get into the whole like, I mean, I mean, not only does it not only get into like the basic mechanics, you know, like actual sex does not actually turn out like pornography because right. that's, you know, highly edited and produced. But, but you know, the emotional impact and the emotional fallout of sex, I think, you know, I was not prepared for in any way. Um, and so that I think is a huge component of, of, of our sexual culture today. And then, but then on the other side, you know, now with the, with the internet, you know, someone who is, let's say transgender, homosexual, sexual minority, and, you know, in the middle of nowhere, right. uh, can actually find that community and feel kind of less alone and, and less, less wrong about, about their sexual preferences. So you kind of look at the internet as almost a, a double-edged sword in, in that, in that <laughs> regard? Yeah, yeah like, like, like most things about the internet, yes, yes, there's great, great advances. Uh, you know, I, I would say it's probably a net, um, net positive. Uh, you know, there's so many great YouTube channels and different things that you can put online that before would find no distribution method whatsoever, you know. Um, but but there is the you do. I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that that there is, you know, um, still areas to watch out for, especially when it comes to sex. Right. Now, let's talk about the, the Indiegogo campaign that you got going on yeah. here. So uh, I just looked I just opened up the page. You've reached your goal. Yes, we just cleared it this morning. It's very exciting. So this thing, this. And now I kind of can actually think about the fun stuff and how how we're going to actually make this. So you you have 25 days left as of this recording. Uh, You were looking to get 10 grand for the movie and you've exceeded that already. You're 10,022 as of now. So uh, do you have a plan for extra stuff that you'll be adding? Because you, I mean, with 25 days left, you're going to go way over. Yeah, yeah. So the 10 10 grand basically just secures us the basics of, you know, cameramen, sound Mm -hmm. technician, all that kind of stuff. Um, but but really to get this to say the film festivals, you know, we probably will need about thirty grand. Right. Um, and, and so you know, but but in the meantime, if we, the more and more we get, you know, it'll get to the better interviews, more interviews. Uh, we can actually talk to some of the, more, the experts who are maybe farther away from where I am, based in San Francisco. Uh, you know, it, it could add to you know better graphics, better animations. I think you know when it comes to a science and sex, you know the the. The uh, education really does come from fun animations and graphics and that sort of thing. And yeah, and, and just the more we get, the more this will actually become like something I think that will uh, have um, a real a real impact, you know, to more people to see it. Now, do you, do you see this as being a movie that could be played in schools as part of sex <laughs> education? To, to be honest, I don't. Uh, I, I think uh, it's too... You know, unless maybe you go to a super progressive, you know, liberal <laughs> private school, maybe uh, in San Francisco. Um, but but, but um, you know, it's it's probably not going to be something that, uh, you know, I, not to say that it'll be necessarily explicit or pornographic. But but I think it will we come from an, the area that sex, you know, first and foremost is pleasurable and pleasurable is kind of like a worthwhile uh, pursuit. Mm-hmm. 
and and then that, that is I, I will admit that is my bias so 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 I think you know that's kind of not necessarily what schools are looking for but hopefully maybe you know that that you know with streaming video and all these things that that, that it can be complementary to 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 a, to a student's sex don't education. you think that that may indicate a problem with the the sex education system in our schools though that that <laughs> i mean the, the yes. fact that you can make a, a documentary that is it's scientific. It's, I mean, this, this isn't a porno that we're watching right. here, and I would. It's probably going to be much more scientific than something like Real Sex on HBO. Right. But it, it's like schools stay away from that, and and they focus on like what you said, where it's like they only teach like abstinence, and you know, this yeah. is the dangers of sex. I feel like that that yeah. is kind of counterintuitive. It, it is. And, and, you know, it's, it's just a lot of, I mean, the idea that sex is inherently shameful or sinful or, you know, that that goes back thousands of thousands of years. And, and, and so it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of, um, I mean, really, it's just a lot of cultural shame to kind of get to wait to set up. And, and I think also the idea that um, and and I, I have, you know, there's a lot of grayer and nuance to this idea, but the idea that kids, you know, at a certain age, uh, can experience sexual pleasure is still is still very taboo mm-hmm. and it's hard it's hard to talk about I think yeah I agree I mean it, and plus it's like you know by the time that kids are getting sex education in school they already know everything they're they, they <laughs> yeah. know what's going on here <laughs> and and that is kind of my fear you know like that that you know your kids are given these messages through the media that you know uh, validation is is something you can easily get through through sexual exploits and and through being sexual and um, yet at the same time, they're given this message that it's something shameful. So, so you, you know, I, there's this guy we're talking to, uh, his name is TT bomb and he has a great line, you know, you know, when you, when you remember your first orgasm, who could you talk to about it? You know, right. <laughs> and you probably didn't go to the dinner table the next day and talk to your parents about your first orgasm. You know, you probably didn't go to your teachers. If anything, you probably talked to your friends and they're kind of, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. So, so, you know, the, 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 the shame we internalize yet yet the messages and the images we're given i think are conf- conflicting and, I, and this is kind of my attempt to try to help kind of help people process these the, these emotions and feelings and thoughts well i think that it's going to turn out great now let's talk about some of the perks some of the bonuses that you get for contributing to this this yeah. project so maybe we could just highlight some of the the ones that stick out to you <laughs> well well the one that um, you know, there's the one that I really love. Um, we had this one, uh, you know, it's like, I guess we're, we're framing it as like a digital sexual guide for, for sexual conversations. Basically, it's the idea that uh, I think it's our $40 perk. But basically, you know, you know, it's we're kind of it's so hard to even talk to people about, you know, our, our sexual feelings and sexual thoughts and you know, without feeling this kind of like embarrassment, just this humiliation a little bit, this, this scare you're, you're going to be made fun of or you're somehow not right or you're going to be seen as not normal. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked to tons of sex educators and experts and biologists and all this stuff. We kind of compiled this guide about, you know, easy kind of ways you can tiptoe into knowing about sex and talking about sex with your friends and have, creating that safe space to have the conversations that you really want, the conversations that you kind of have always wondered about but, but don't know how to broach. That's something that I think that will be really fun. Um, and then also, you know, that we have this other, this package, this, um, I think we're branding it as a hundred moments of love, but it's basically just your, your standard, you know, we, we toilet your bag and we put a hundred condoms in there, a hundred bottles of lube, the things that maybe you might be embarrassed to actually buy, you know, at your pharmacy, 
and we package that together and we'll send you, you know, a shirt and DVD and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that looks very cool. And and also <laughs> you have like the standard uh, DVDs and uh, do you have like a live, like a streaming link to the... Yeah, yeah. So we'll have a digital download and, and exclusive for our Indiegogo uh, uh, pleasures. We, we will have, a, you know, your your uncut, your uncensored version, basically, where, where we kind of, you know, you, we really will get down, down dirty and nothing blurred. Everyone, everyone is, uh, uh, you're getting their actual information that, that you might want, that might someone else might want to censor if we put it online. Very cool. So is this, yeah. you're filming it now? Uh, so we're doing preliminary interviews right now. Yeah. So we're kind of finding, you know, we've got a lot of people kind of in the queue to actually talk to and we're finding scouting, uh, you know, it's really finding those great characters that will really kind of um, highlight the, the information, highlight how people incorporate good science information, good sex information, science uh, into their daily lives. So, so yeah, we're in that process right now. And when do you expect to be uh, wrapped up with the, the shooting? Well, we'll see. Depending how much we actually raise, uh, the idea right now is to kind of craft a narrative where we start at Gay Pride in San Francisco and end at Folsom. I don't know. Are you familiar with the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, that's kind of like, you know, we start with the idea of like this, uh, the, Gay Pride is kind of the continuance of the sexual revolution of the 60s and kind of that that whole area and ending with kind of the most extreme area of when it comes to sex or extreme probably in most people's yeah. eyes of, you know, kink, BDSM, leather and stuff and see if you can kind of get per, get a person to understand and be uh, if not comfortable at least understanding of 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 all all different types of sexual expression it seems like you could really make this a series of documentaries <laughs> i mean there i mean you, got, you have so much content that you can work with there is that, that's probably the hardest part to, to kind of uh you know narrow the scope to, to fit something that's going to be you know 70 80 minutes but yeah definitely there's you know you can talk about at least the idea of being a sexual minority i think could be a documentary in and of itself there's one last thing i wanted to to ask you about i watched the the uh video that you have up on indiegogo and i noticed uh, a little clip of a group of furries in this are you gonna <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to ask what your take was on on these these people because i'm not this is one thing that i can't really grasp you, you, to, to, to be honest i i am i am still in the process of grasping this idea but you know I, I think that you know um when it comes to fetish for example you know there's a lot of um um there's still not great research about why people have certain fetishes but but the idea is that you know from um um say I don't know about five to ten is kind of like your body's uh, when your body when your brain is kind of a blank slate when it comes to where you find pleasure and and the associations you make around pleasure uh, and then once once you kind of make those uh, it's kind of set for life so the idea is you know someone just had you know like a really um, I don't know <laughs> I mean it might sound kind of odd but you know someone just really loved Lion King so much you know mm -hmm. that's how they kind of get their idea of love and uh, and they just kind of want to reenact that in whatever way they can. But but to be honest, the uh, the furry thing is something that um I'm going to a big furry party actually this Saturday. So <laughs> so well I'll probably have a better idea of what that actually looks like and how it would make sense. But but it's all you know to me this is also a way for me to kind of um, explore these areas that I probably would never uh, under normal circumstances actually pursue. But it kind of gives me my like my little excuse to kind of look into these areas that maybe I, I was too scared to otherwise. Yeah, like cause the furry stuff seems fine, but once you get into fetishes that involve like other bodily fluids, that's that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that I'd probably not be too interested in researching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely um <clears throat> there's a lot, a lot to tease out. And at the very least I would hope 
that uh, we can get you to a point where maybe if, 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 if you find it gross, that's fine, but, but uh, realize that, that as long as people are being safe and consensual, that, that it's okay for, for, for them to, to do. Absolutely. Well, Alex, <laughs> thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. This has been great. Thanks again, Alex. Be sure to hit the link in the show notes and check out the Indiegogo page for a explanation. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Now, Kevin, I know that you had a pretty light week since you were on vacation. I would, I would like to point out one thing that I learned. Uh-huh. Well, sort uh-huh. of came to my attention on vacation that okay. I didn't really know about. And I don't know if you can really help me out here because you don't really have cable either or any sort of like direct TV or anything of that nature. I cut, I cut the cord. Yeah, I, I had direct TV at my hotel. And it's come to my attention that... The majority of what DirecTV offers, like about 50% of it, is just infomercials. There's whole channels dedicated <laughs> to infomercials. Maybe it was uh, like because you were in a hotel. I don't Maybe there, th- there were more, I don't there think were more so. ad channels. No? I don't think so. Like I'm going through the guide, like looking for something to watch because I'm thinking, oh, I got, I got a cable now. Let's find something to watch. And everything is just like... Shark versus Dyson. Which one's the best vacuum cleaner? <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's that's there's like there's a channel devoted to that. Of course, it's the Shark Shark v Dyson channel. <laughs> and then there's like there's another channel about like juicers, and then another one about like fucking jewelry, and then another one about Invicta watches. And I'm like, honestly, fifty percent of the channels were just infomercials when the fuck did that happen and why do people put up with it i don't know i people probably don't even bother i think that well what time of day were you watching maybe that had something to do with it all times all times (laughs) (laughs) it was i don't know day it was at night it's just constantly i just i don't for whatever reason it just really struck me and stuck with me i couldn't i I couldn't get past it I think more and more people are going to be getting rid of their cable and and just moving to to a la carte programming. That's what I want more than anything in the world. It's going to happen. It will, it will definitely happen. Uh, well, I had a really big week. I saw a ton of stuff. Oh, boy. So, <clears throat> yeah, I was getting caught up with a lot of the reviews that we had to write and stuff for the site. So, started the week off pretty bad with Bad Johnson. And now... This is something that I wanted to talk to you about. What what the fuck? What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I had no. What I do you had mean, to review? What do you, you, did you have to? Well, the, did, they did, asked us to, and I, did, I but, said okay, sure. Okay, okay. Now all I um, I think back to the last episode that we had, and who kept like friended to death kept asking you, and you're like, yeah, no, not gonna do it. Well, why didn't you do the same for Bad Johnson? I'll tell you why. And this is this is an honest answer. I knew I, I had a really strong feeling that it was going to be bad, mm-hmm. and it's been quite a while since I just tore into a movie. Okay, and I kind of wanted the <laughs> okay. opportunity to just I gotcha, you know, rip a movie, a new one. This is probably and, a good one. Probably yeah, a good and one. it was, it was. It's just terrible. I mean, it's about a guy whose dick falls off and becomes a person, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's horrible. It. You know, with a movie like this, you just imagine it being pretty misogynistic. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of it making out 
these men to be complete asshole womanizers, and it does, but it makes women look bad too. Because throughout this whole movie, it's like every woman in this movie, with the exception of maybe one, uh, they're just like flocking to these guys. Like, they're just like walking up to them on the street asking for blowjobs, you know? And it's just, Hmm. it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie, and it's not worth your time. It's not worth my breath to talk about it. But I do have a full review that you can read on the site. So, don't don't even bother with Bad Johnson. I watched, uh, like you sort of alluded to it, I had like a light week. And I watched one movie. Well, two. Two. But the one I watched that's not the feature review is the documentary Let the Fire Burn. Which is... Now, this is very difficult. I've talked about... I think we've talked about this a couple times. This is a documentary that is completely captivating and enthralling, but at the same time, it's not a good documentary. And it's mostly because of the subject matter at hand is completely captivating and enthralling, but the documentary itself, not so much. So this is directed by Jason Oster, who apparently is like an assistant professor at George Washington University. So this... It really does feel like it's uh, like a class project Mm. where it's completely made up of archival footage. Okay. So you have footage of all the news organizations that were covering what was happening. You have the footage of the investigative committee and sort of their hearings. And then you have the footage of one of two survivors of the incident who was... uh, I can't remember what age he was. I would say like maybe like. Do you want to tell us? Sorry, do you want to tell us what the incident was? I, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to oh, that. Okay. I think he's like 11 or 12 years old. His name's Bertie Africa. So what this sort of revolves around is in Philadelphia in the 80s there was this sort of shootout between an organization known as Move and the Philadelphia Police Department. Now they came in. Well, Move. There's so much to discuss because it's just complete insanity. It started in the 70s and they had a shootout. A cop got killed. It sort of sounds like the cop got killed by friendly fire, but they blamed it on the MOVE members. And nine of the MOVE members went to jail. And they actually have on videotape one of the MOVE members getting like just beaten to shit on camera. And I don't know how. Well... I shouldn't be surprised, but the police got off on beating this man. And then the move members ended up moving to another area of Philadelphia and just setting up shop in the craziest of ways where they built bunkers on top of the roof. Their house is boarded up. They have megaphones outside where they just air just uh, it's ridiculous what they air throughout the day and the night just profanity-laced tyrants or diatribes on who knows what. Just whatever they feel like shooting out there and just... It's fucking insane. And in the 80s, the police come in, they evacuate everyone out, they're going to have this showdown with the move members, and they think that they're just going to move them out of the house. They're just coming to evict them, that's it. But it ends up turning into a shootout, who knows who shot first, And the police come up with this brilliant idea of dropping a bomb on the roof of the building. And these are row homes. 
So I don't know why the hell they thought that this was a good idea. So they drop the bomb. Of course, the fire spreads just and just takes out like the entire block. The whole area just burns and burns and burns. And there's only two survivors. Like I said, there's one woman that survives and one small child that survives. And it's just all this archival footage put together, sort of condensed into telling this one story, but not really adding much to it. It's just, it's pure insanity. And it's really weird Mm. because, you know, me and you, this happened, you know, two years after we were born. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've never heard anything about this. Yeah, this is all new to me, so <laughs> I, I didn't know about it. I don't know what, what happened there. How did I never hear of this? And they like this was at a time where the news organizations filmed everything. So they have archival footage of the entire situation. Like it plays out on camera the entire day. Just the beginning portion of it of them evacuating people and then the shootout. And then them dropping the bomb from a helicopter onto the roof, and then the fire, everything, everything's there. Hmm. It's I'm, com- gonna to, I'm gonna have to watch. It's this. complete. It sounds... It's complete insanity. And at one point, like before before this shootout happened, you know, people in this neighborhood are complaining about what's going on here because, as I'm saying, they're broadcasting over their loudspeakers and everything throughout the day, throughout the night. It's driving people crazy. So the police come out, and there's one point where one of the move members gets on the roof with a bag over his head and a shotgun, just hanging out. Police come out and just ask him to knock it off, and that's it. That's it in the 80s. (laughs) Nothing happens outside of that. They just say, hey, can you stop it? And then after a couple hours, he goes back inside, and the police just go on their way. Imagine if that shit happened now. Yeah, well, it wouldn't. It's just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. There's just so much that just blows your mind in this movie. Highly yeah. recommend it. It's just, it's an unbelievable story. It's just complete now, insanity. Now, how do you, uh, how did you see this? Mm. This is on uh, Netflix Play Instant. Okay. Very cool. Uh, I saw a movie called Evidence. This is horrible, this movie. Ugh. <laughs> Okay, so it's a it's like taking the worst parts of generic police procedurals and mixing them with generic found footage horror. It's like the two why well, I, I like procedurals, so I don't want to say the two worst things, but it is it's so bad. So basically it's about uh this group of like forensics people that get recover these tapes all these tapes from this crime scene where there's a bunch of dead bodies and some burned people. And they are, the whole movie is them reviewing the footage and trying to figure out what happened, who killed these people, where that person's at and trying to track them down and and catch him. And so the movie shifts between like the found, the actual found footage stuff. And then, we pull back and it's them like reviewing it, you know, like stop that. Like there, there'll be scenes where we're watching it through the found footage and they'll be like, wait, stop it right there. Rewind it a little bit. And then like it pulls back and then we see the, the crew mm-hmm. in their little lab going over the, the tapes, the video. Gotcha. And it's just so poorly made. There's, there's actually a couple really cool visual flourishes in it. But other than that, the, the dialogue is bad 
like there's just little things that kind of bothered me. Like for instance, there's a scene where the main guy who's, I don't know the character's name, but he's the guy from true blood, Bill Compton and true blood. He's like, I need the card. Or he goes, I need the chip. Give me the chip. And he's referring to a memory card. And the whole time I'm like, dude, if you're this like expert, uh, CSI guy, you're not going to refer to a, a camera memory card as a chip. First of all, I mean, at least do a little bit of homework and get the terminology right. And of course, his character is this troubled detective that they they gave him leave, but he comes back after this big crime, and he's oh, like, man. you know, he's like, I need this, uh-huh. and you need me. You know, it's like one of those deals. Huh. And uh, at the end, it's so ridiculous. So they find this like picture at the end, and it's like all messed up. There's the file was corrupted and they need to try to figure out what's what the picture is. And it, it turns into like a mini game from a video game where they're looking at it and he's like, wait, circle that, increase that DPI. Go, go there, increase that DPI. And it's like he was finding all these little things. It was just so stupid and unbelievable and ridiculous. Oh, God. And there was one scene also where... Uh, it was this terrible red herring where we were made to think that it was one person that got killed and it turned out to be a different person. And the whole time everybody was like, okay, well, it was because of a ring on a finger. So we see a hand reaching out and there's a ring on a finger and it was this one girl's ring. Mm-hmm. And then she dies and then we find out that, oh, it wasn't really her. Oh. And the whole so the whole time the audience is thinking, well, why did the other girl have the ring? And then they show the scene later where she's like, here, take this oh, before the girl ran out of the building. And it's like, why would you just give that girl your engagement ring for no reason whatsoever? Wow. And it's just little things like that that add up to a uh, completely terrible movie. This sounds awful. Yeah, it's really bad. Why is there a guy like a, like a welder? Uh, because that's how they kill people. Mm. the the killer's dressed up like a welder mm. and there is a there is a kind of a, a cool scene where they weld someone's arm off okay yeah. Yeah. yeah like i said there there's some cool visual things but overall it is just absolutely terrible uh one that i did see that i that i can recommend is called whitewash and this was a surprise to me uh this is kind of a dark comedy a, a dark comedic thriller i would say and it stars thomas hayden church and it's basic. Basically, he's the only character. There are a few. There are a few other characters in it, but he's like the main character. And it's about this guy. He plays a snowplow truck driver, and one night he's boozing it up a little bit, mm. and he runs over someone with his snowplow. Oh Jesus! And it's and so what he does is he hides the body in the snow, like far away from where it happened. And then because he's drunk, he drives, he ends up driving the plow into the woods, smashing into a tree and getting it stuck there. And rather than, uh, he just freaks out and he decides to just live there. <laughs> so he just lives in a snow plow <laughs> in the middle of the forest. Yeah. And this takes place in, this takes place in Quebec. So it's, you know, brutal cold in the middle of winter, snow everywhere. And he's just hiding out from the cops and then, like, one day he decides to go find the body that he hid and then dispose of it properly, and he fucks that up. And it's just, it's such an interesting movie. It felt like a Coen Brothers I was going to say, it to sounds like a Coen 
Coen Brothers yeah. movie. Yeah, it's definitely got that vibe because it's dark. There's a lot of serious moments. Like the guy that he kills, it turns out through we, we learn through flashbacks that he actually knew this guy. And he was had sort of a friendship with this guy. Mm. And we so we learn a little bit more backstory about both characters. And it's just really interesting. The dialogue is really funny and it's just very dry. And I think that it really complements Thomas Hayden Church's kind of deadpan humor that he has. Mm -hmm. And he was great in it. So this is, this is on demand right now. So I would definitely check it, check it out. It's called whitewash. Very surprising how much I liked this one. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was one of these that I just thought was going to be, kind of generic but turned out to be really enjoyable um i saw a movie called mr jones it was a found footage horror movie stop right there you're done i, I don't need to say anything more yep. it's bad you're done the only thing i will say about it is that it has a really good poster mm. so check check the poster it's pretty cool mm. uh the only other one i want to talk about briefly is called blood glacier this came out on video on demand this week it's was called the station i think when it played the festivals it was called the station can you hit me with, it. can you hit me with the original title real quick mm, yeah <laughs> yeah do it blut blut glacier yes glacier mm. so this is a <clears throat> it's a it's a german austrian film and it's basically john carpenter's the thing that's mm. it's exactly the same pretty much a remake of the thing and i actually enjoyed it quite a bit up until the end the end of this movie the finale is absolutely horrible and so stupid and baffling as to how why they did what they did with it it is so dumb like i can't even i'm not gonna spoil it but it's so bad that that ending alone was enough for me to be like nope not gonna recommend this movie. Wow. So it was it was all good up until the end. It was fine. It wasn't it wasn't anything great. It started off really good. Like I was really intrigued at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really it's kind of slow paced and, and I don't mean that in a good way. Okay. Uh with a movie like this, you kind of want it to, to pick up the pace a bit and it just didn't really go anywhere i thought that it was gonna i thought that there was gonna be some movement as far as you know what these creatures were and what was happening and the the rate at which they were uh, mutating and stuff like that but it just doesn't really go anywhere so the the plot was a little it's a little lackluster all the most of the special effects are practical so i was i appreciated that some of them are quite good some of them were horrible so i guess i don't know i I can't recommend it, actually. Can't do I it. I still can't. Can't do it. I can't. The, the, the end alone, right. I'm telling you, it is so stupid. Uh, and <laughs> I think I did read some other reviews where people commented on the, the terrible ending. So I know that I'm not the only one that was really bothered by it. But uh, that's that's really all I watched. One other quick thing. I, I keep forgetting to mention this because it's not on Letterboxd. And I, I keep trying to remind myself. Um ESPN has a 30 for 30 series that's that's coming out uh, right now called Soccer Stories. Yeah. And the the first one that came out a few weeks ago was called Hillsboro, and it's about the uh, have you 
have you heard of the what happened in Hillsborough? The Hillsborough tragedy, I guess. I think that's what they call it. Uh, I'm not quite sure. It's, so, it... so basically, there were like almost a hundred people killed because of the what happened was they let too many people into the stadium and they they got smashed and there was this huge cover up because of it. They tried to blame it on people being rowdy and and uh, they tried to blame it on alcohol. They said mm-hmm. the people were drunk and and like crushing each other and it it turned into this like huge conspiracy as to how these people were killed. I think it was like 96 people that got killed. I think I do remember reading about this. Yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy. So very very well made documentary it's actually a feature length documentary so it's like an hour and a half long the other 30 for 30 soccer stories uh i think two other ones have been released so far those are actually only half an hour a piece and they're not quite as good they're not obviously they're not as in depth but yeah one of them is uh maradona 86 and i that one wasn't very interesting to me because i know about maradona so wasn't too into that one. I don't like Maradona, so he's kind of a prick. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And the other one was about uh, Chile and uh, the unrest that was happening there. So very, very interesting. So highly recommend it, especially if you're into soccer. They're <laughs> quite well made. So uh, that's all I got. Let's go ahead and talk about The Sacrament. This is directed by Ty West. Now... I wrote a review for this already, so so we'll start with you now. I, before you, I get your thoughts. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a prediction. All right. By the way, this stars uh, Amy Simons, Joe Swanberg, Caitlin Sheel, AJ Bowen, Gene Jones, uh, and Ken Tucker oddly. And I'm gonna say that you hated this movie. I'm actually I'm actually very conflicted on how I feel about this movie. You know what? It's so... I'm very conflicted, too. And I've actually changed the score uh, on my review several times and on Letterboxd. So (laughs) I'm very conflicted, too. But go ahead. Let's let's start with your thoughts. These are the two things that I keep sort of oscillating between. Number one, I have that this is completely unoriginal. It's just Jim Jones with some minor tweaks. Just really minor tweaks. I mean, if you look at the Jim Jones story, it follows it pretty well. So that mm-hmm. so that sort of pisses me off. But then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, if it is sort of like a reinterpretation or sort of like a sort of like based on true story type deal, Jim Jones, even though they don't mention it, I think which I think would make it a little bit better if they do if they threw that in there. If they acknowledged it. Yeah. If they acknowledged it a little bit. And, and I'm thinking, you know, if it's for sort of like a younger audience that really doesn't know about Jim Jones, it's not half bad. You know, the execution of it is actually pretty good. And the way that they, like the frame of device that they use for this found footage, I thought was great. And it actually works very well. There's only one portion of this film where I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Which usually uh, I- when you come to found footage films... It's just, it's one after another where you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense either. What the fuck is this about? But it, with the sacrament, there was only one point where I was like, that doesn't make sense. Well, I think 
I think I know. Well, there was one point for me as well where I was like, okay, that I'm not buying that. And it was, uh, it's not a spoiler or anything. It was during the, towards the end before the big event occurred, he was talking to his people. And at that point, all the other vice people were not there. And it was just Amy Simetz Mm -hmm. filming. And they were doing like cut after cut after cut. And it was all different camera angles. And I was like, okay. That that completely pulled me out of it. <laughs> well, for me, was sort of a continuation of that is at the end when Father is talking to the two vice people, and there's an apparent camera angle, but when they show Swanberg's camera angle, the camera's not there. Oh, see, I didn't even pick and up then, on that. <clears throat> I thought that the camera was just sitting on like a table, and, the other camera. And then Swanberg and Bowen sort of rush out of there, and I'm thinking... Well, who grabbed the tape? If they cut this together, how... Oh, that's even better. Like, who got the tape? No one grabbed a tape on their way out. Uh, Maybe they did and we just didn't see it. Well, that was the other thing. Like, here's the thing. So it's supposed to be a a Vice documentary. They they really try to make it look like a Vice documentary. They Mm -hmm. use the same fonts and things like that. And I would suspect that that's why they never mention Jim Jones, because they're trying to... You know, present the illusion that this is yeah it, an actual documentary that's not related to that. It does look like the concept was like, okay, what if Vice was around when Jim Jones was around? <clears throat> this is this is maybe how it would happen, because what happens to the Vice people when they get there is essentially what happens to Congressman Ryan when he went and visited Jim Jones. It's pretty much the same thing, except for. Uh, well, first a of all, little bit. A, I mean, they change a, th- a little bit of it. Well, in in real life, the Jim Jones thing, there was almost a thousand people. Yeah. In, in that, it was in much, this, much there's only a hundred and sixty-four, yeah. sixty-five, or whatever. So, in actuality, the the Jim Jones thing was much more horrific yes. and crazy. Um, but even when the father's doing his sort of speech at the end, where Sizemith is, you know filming it and everything he says a lot of the things that actually you know jim jones said oh because yeah. there's the, the audio recordings from when they were doing you know drinking their kool-aid and everything a lot of that was sort of tied into what father was saying oh yeah i mean there's no doubt about it i mean even down to like him taking their passports and making sure that they showed that and not letting them leave and the location i mean it was all I mean, clearly, <laughs> this is yeah. modeled exactly after that. And, but but with Congressman Ryan, when he was there, you know, he was with like a, I think it was NBC. He was with the NBC camera crew, and they tried to kill Ryan, and it was thwarted. And he actually left with some people that wanted to leave, and Jones at that time didn't stop them from leaving. So that's like the little twist that they sort of put on it. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's pretty much Jim Jones. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that, too. Because one of the vice people, it's the reason that they're going there to be to begin with is that his sister is a part of this, Yeah, too. And so there, there's some added, you know, theatrical type things there. There was a couple other, like, things that made me, other than the fact that I knew all these people are actors, that there's a couple other things that kind of pulled me out of the whole illusion um i don't think that in an, a, in a real vice documentary they would include footage of the two people talking about where to get b-roll 
from <laughs> like that just that little conversation between uh ken tucker oddly and joe swanberg i was like nope they wouldn't include that because <laughs> why would they ever why, include yeah, that why would you that, is, that was just for our benefit and but i understand they did that for our benefit so that we would understand how they're capturing two different camera angles i get it um the like uh, ty west other films this has kind of a slow progression it's i would consider it a slow burn it's I don't even know if I would consider this a horror movie. I mean, no, in the broadest not. sense, I think it is. Uh, but it's it's kind of a different kind of horror movie. It's the kind of horror movie that it's just it kind of just gets under your skin, you know. It doesn't it doesn't scare you like a jump scare, but it's just uh, just disturbing, you know. Especially when things ramp up at the end. There were some genuinely shocking moments in this movie. At least I thought. I. And that's the problem that I have is if I get past the the uncreativity of it, that it's just Jim Jones. If I just look at it as a film, which is really hard to get past that Jim Jones thing. But when I look at it as just a film, I'm like, you know, the effects are good. The world building is good because, I mean, it feels like they're in an undisclosed area. Everything looks real. You know, all the the architecture, the little houses they build and the pavilion and everything and the whole the way that it plays out everything looks great and in all actuality you know i mentioned it before i only have one uh qualm with the the found footage when usually when we talk about found footage we just have a laundry list of things so i only have one so when it comes to that it's not that bad of a film but i do have to think that i keep coming back to i saw the powers powers booth version of the story right. of Jim Jones, which is immensely better. Immensely. And that was back in 1980. Um, so I'm thinking, like, if you want to watch Jim Jones, watch Powers Booth. Because that's the yeah, only I mean, way I really see Powers Booth. And he was so convincing in that role that he scared the shit out of me. Powers, yeah. Powers Booth scares the shit out of me because I think he's Jim Jones. I, I also feel that did you watch it in school yeah that's where i saw yeah. it and that's another thing that i want to discuss why the fuck did we watch this in school i don't what, know what class did we learn this in why i don't know but learning? i remember distinctly remember watching it in school why were we learning about the people's temple and jim jones what class would we learn that in and why I don't know. why yeah. i have no idea uh but i i think that we should talk about gene jones in this movie because i thought he was great as the father mm -hmm. yes i thought that he was i mean he's a pretty prominent character actor you've probably seen him in a million things but uh he was i thought he was fantastic in this movie mm -hmm. i thought that he was he he was the strongest part of this oh, movie. oh yeah without doubt and I, I thought that a lot of it was just like like caitlin shiel she had nothing to do in this movie i mean clearly that you know it was just she, ty she, west ad, adding his buds adding yeah. his buddies yeah, she was just which, helping out. Which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. I didn't necessarily think that any of the other performances were terrible or anything like that. And I thought that at the end, it, I was genuinely uh, in suspense the whole time. I thought that there were some really crazy things that happened towards the end. And I think that, I think that Ty West has a really good ability to show kind of suspense and dread but again i think 
like you're saying, like the ending and everything, with me knowing Jim Jones, knowing the whole story, I knew it was going to happen. I knew from the outset. Oh, like sure. Right off yeah. the bat. I was like, I know exactly how this film's going to play out. I know what's going to happen at the end. None of this is going to surprise me. And none of it did. But the only thing that I could think of at the end was Swamper. You got to move a little bit quicker. <laughs> Fucking speed it up, buddy. He's just like meandering around. I'm like, people are dying because you're just fucking pussyfooting. Get your shit pussyfooting together. around, Swanberg. Get your shit together, Swanberg. You kidding me? Yeah, I mean, I think that it really does come down to getting over the whole Jim Jones thing because I, I knew I knew it going into it. So I was it was easy for me to look past it because I had read about this movie previously. I knew that it was modeled after Jonestown, so. It was not a surprise to me at all. Yeah, and and I knew I knew what was going to happen at the end, as most people do going into this movie. That's not what really shocked me. I didn't find that stuff, but there were just other uh, small things that I don't want to give away. But there were some other things that happened in the movie that I that I was actually there was, surprised there, to see. There was a couple other ones. Uh, one other thing that I just remembered that sort of bothered me is uh, seeing towards the end where Swampberg is sort of hiding from one of the militia members. And I'm thinking, if I'm that militia member, and I walk into that... Oh, yeah, that was, I said that. Easily when, see when I was watching this, I, I audibly said that while I was watching. It was like, okay, you're in like a, a, like a five foot by five foot hut. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. All that's in there is a bed. <laughs> that's yeah. it. <laughs> Like, of course you're going to look under the bed if you're yeah. trying to find something. And I mean, hiding. you wouldn't even have to look, like, because you come up the stairs. So as soon as you open up the door and come up the stairs, you're going to see him right there. Yeah, he's just going to be laying there. With his he's giant just... fucking camera. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, as far as Ty West's films go, I still liked The Innkeepers and House of the Devil better than this one. Yes. Like I, th- I thought that both of those movies were uh, more original, just doing more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, more for th- that's what I'm saying. Like the execution's good, but there's just no originality here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, that's I, that's why, and that's why I've been kind of waffling over how to review this because, like, I in one sense I'll go back and think about it and be like, okay, yeah, it was a solid thriller. But then I go back and think about it some more, and I'm like, well, but there really wasn't anything yeah. to it, you know? So it's it's been really difficult for me to to kind of go. Plus, I'm like a Ty West fanboy, so I don't want that to be clouding my judgment and how I think about this movie either. Yeah. So it's it's been kind of tough. It's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one for me as well. I'm going to go out and say that since I know about Jim Jones, that this is completely unoriginal. But the execution's good. Someone put it, like, in the middle as, like, a five. Like, in the middle, like, a five. I think that it just depends on, like, what his true intentions were with this movie. You know, like, maybe he was trying to do... Maybe he was really trying to tell the Jim Jones story and just do it in a different way. You know, like, I don't know. Which I think a lot of it would have... For me, it would have been a bit better if he just threw that out there. You know, like, hey, it's based on the Jim Jones Massacre. Okay, Jonestown Massacre, this is what it's based on. 
You know, it'd be awesome though if 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 he did do it like that, and they just made it the Jonestown Massacre and make it look like it's uh, a VHS, you know, '80s style documentary. There we go. See, I could get on board I, with I that. Feel like, I, I feel like that would have worked a lot better. Maybe maybe he did want to make a Jonestown movie, and they he for whatever reason wasn't allowed to. Maybe, but I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, uh, you're, so you're giving it a five. I'm gonna say a, I'll say six and a half. Six, six and a half. I mean, execution's great, but it's, it's not a bad. It's not a bad movie. I like, would, I would definitely, I would recommend it. Okay. Yeah. I it would, just, I would it recommend just, chicken. it just bothers me the, you know, the how unoriginal it is. Yeah, I think if you can get past the Jim Jones stuff, I think you'll be you'll, fine. You'll, you'll find yourself in a genuinely entertaining. Uh, sometimes terrifying thriller that is pretty rewarding in the end. So they have it. Uh, the Sacrament is on video on demand right now. All right, let's talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Ernie, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I am doing good, sir. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, we have a synopsis here. Peter Parker runs the gauntlet as the mysterious company Oscorp sends up a slew of supervillains against him impacting his life. This is directed by Mark Webb. Stars Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, Dane DeHaan, uh, Felicity Jones is in there, Paul Giamatti, Sally Field, a bunch of other people. Now, I wrote a review for the site. It's up now, so you can check that out. So we'll start with you, Ernie. What did you think of The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Far from amazing. (laughs) Far from amazing. Um, (sighs) When I I saw the, the trailers and I heard about the story, I'm like, okay, this could be cool. But then as... It's so hard to separate the future from the present, especially in in the universe that Marvel's and the cinematic universe Marvel's built up, that everybody else is trying to play catch up, and even including the non-produced Marvel productions from Sony and Fox. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult to separate that from the movie that is out now, Spider-Man Two, and not keep thinking about that. And when you look at it that way, you realize the reason why this movie wasn't that wasn't good enough. Uh, I'm not saying it's not horrible; it's it's decent. But this fans of, of the uh, of the comic uh, the comic book movies that you should expect something from everyone on the Marvel level. And when you got Marvel name like branded on this thing, you're like, okay, I expect something on the level of the other films. I'm not expecting a carbon copy, but at least I should get something that with decent drama, some humor, great action sequences, solid acting. But this one only delivers maybe half of that. Mm-hmm. And my main problem was the reason why I hated Spider-Man 3 was too many villains, too many subplots, Yep. trying to cram way too much into one movie. I mean, watching this movie, I'm like, this could have been part two and part three of the of the trilogy of the first trilogy then go do what, what you wanted to do but they only want to rush in there get all these half of the sinister not to spoil anything but the sinister six is the the team up of the villains that's in the near future and you're introduced to half of them in this movie where instead of doling out each villain with a new movie so you get to know who these villains are here you maybe spend 10 minutes with one two minutes with another mm-hmm. and then you get one who could have been a decent villain, but not enough time is spent to flesh his character out. And he's the primary villain. 
uh, Electro. But I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, it's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, instead of like being into now, instead of like eagerly anticipating Spider-Man and four or no, what three, four, and Sinister Six. I'm like, I'm like kind of dreading on like how much they're gonna screw this up. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you completely. I had a lot of problems with this movie. I'm not going to say it was horrible. Uh, there were several several moments that were fun. I had fun with with certain aspects of this movie, but it was it was it, it was just too much. There was too much going on in this movie. It felt so scattered, and they never. It would have been so much better if they got rid of the Rhino stuff because. I don't yeah. think it's a big spoiler or anything, but Rhino's in it for the first five minutes of the movie and the last two minutes of the movie, and that's it. And, then, and it was completely uh, unnecessary. Now, I will say that that action sequence at the beginning was awesome. It was probably the best part of the movie, I thought, because it was exactly what I would want in a Spider-Man movie. I don't want these giant, you know, huge set pieces that, like, the entire city is being destroyed. I just felt that it was entirely too crammed in with stuff and they didn't have enough time to spend on any one thing to really flesh it out. Like the the whole Harry Osborn uh, Green Goblin thing with Dane DeHaan, that in and of itself could have been a movie. Yeah. Like I I liked I liked the story between Peter Parker, the relationship between Peter Parker and Dane DeHaan, and it felt like everything with his storyline was so completely rushed, and none of it even made sense to me because, you know, in the, early in the movie we see him meeting his father, played by Chris Cooper, mm-hmm. who immediately, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler either, but he's sick, he has a disease, he tells his son, "You have the disease too," and it's like immediately he's dying because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it it doesn't it's like everything felt like it was on fast forward in this movie. They didn't spend enough time on anything to really fully develop it. Yeah. And I thought that some of it was just so ridiculously heavy handed with the uh, the lead up. Everything in this movie felt like a lead up to the Sinister Six. Yeah, I mean, or maybe, I mean, or maybe or Spider-Man three, three, but yeah, three or four or five or wherever they're going. But it's like uh, again, it's like an unfair comparison. It's like, it's like a look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you know, you know, Avengers two is coming, but you still want to see like Cap two, Thor two, Guardians, right? Not because, not because it's like they're set. It's like it's Avengers two, but because you know, it's like one, these are the solo films, but there might be a little caveat in there. To set up the next uh avengers so it's like okay cool but you're not saying it's like oh i'm only seeing this just to just to set up avengers 2 whereas here right and- here you come see spider-man 2 i'm like i want to see spider-man go up against electro i was i want to see some that effect i'm like like oh that's done okay right, wait a minute there's like 45 minutes left aren't there like two more villains <laughs> yeah it was just it was so ridiculous to me how heavy-handed all that stuff was and like with with Marvel looking at Marvel Studios stuff, they they do it right. They they say, okay, we're gonna put out a Thor movie, we're gonna put out a Captain America movie, and these are these are self contained stories. They fit into the overarching, you know, big scope of the whole universe, mm-hmm. but they act as self contained movies. Yeah, and they spend the time to 
set up all of these specific characters, not just the heroes, but the villains too. So in this movie, we have three origin stories packed in. Right. And that's not even including that are bear, that all bear of the and serve as the villains. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but we have this whole subplot with uh, with Peter's father and the things that he was working on yeah. and him uncovering what his destiny is and all that stuff, which is, to me, almost negates the entire character of Spider-Man. Spider-Man's supposed to be just an, a normal, everyday dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to be someone that we can relate to. He's a student, he has a, a job, and... He's just an, a normal guy that's been put in this kind of extraordinary circumstance. But when they shoehorn in this whole pointless thing about, oh, you you were destined to, to do this and this and that, it feels, it doesn't feel like it's Spider-Man. It, yeah. it feels like it's uh, sullying the character somehow. Right. And I don't understand why any of that stuff is in there because it's pointless. It, like what's what's the point of all that? Yeah, it's kind of like um, again, the go back to Spider-Man three movie came out like a decade or so ago. So if there's spoilers in there, sorry, don't even bother seeing it anyway. But it's just like with Spider-Man three, where they ripped out and tossed away the emotional core of the first two Spider-Mans by saying, "Oh, by the way, you got the wrong guy." <laughs> yeah, and then they just exactly. throw in Sandman in there for like. There, there was no reason for Sandman to exist in that movie, nor was that subplot necessary from what I remember. But here it's just like um, Rhino is not giving anything away is simply a tease. Um, Goblin doesn't even is basically handled like Hobgoblin, where when when uh, Harry mm-hmm. finally appears in Spider-Man 3 as Hobgoblin, it's only for like five, ten minutes. And um, and the. The thing that the first two Spider-Mans, the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, got perfectly was that the villains were, especially two, the villains were sympathetic people until they turned bad. And um, but right, and but here you barely get that with um, Max Dillon, uh, Jamie Fox, and you don't get any of. It's basically like false sympathy for uh, right for um, Harry. And, and that's and that's the other big thing. It's like, what are the motivations of these? villains i mean the the whole like what what was electro's goal what what did what was he looking to do just kill everybody just turn off all the power and why because at the beginning he was like obsessed with spider-man he loves spider-man and then all of a sudden he just takes a 180 and hates him and wants to kill him and kill everybody in the city like i i didn't understand i didn't feel like their motivations were clearly defined it just that felt really underdeveloped to me yeah, they wouldn't have had that problem. I was like, why is he doing this? But he's like, okay, our villain's Electro. Let's develop that and move on to the next movie. Spider-Man 3 will be okay. We introduce Green Goblin and then Rhino. I would have even been, it's, it would have been fine with Rhino was a tease at the end of 3. At least then you know that's what's coming for 4. I'm like, <laughs> but. Well, like, just like what I, what I think that they should have done is just put the Rhino stuff in as a, as a post-credit stinger. Mm. That would have been perfect. And there was no stinger yeah, in this well, movie. Well, there was something there, and it, it's a, more of a stinker than a stinger. But well, I guess yeah, you I think get we can. I, I think we can say that for yeah, spoilers. We're going to get into spoilers. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to get into spoilers. But I don't think it's a spoiler. It's a clip. All it is yeah. is a clip of X Men. Yeah. 
<laughs> Days of Future Past, which has nothing, nothing to do with, which with Spider-Man. Which nothing but confusion. And I'm watching this. I'm like thinking, wait a minute, is Oscorp stuff like now involved in the mutations? I'm like, what's going on here? And then, and then I wanted to throw something at the screen because once it once it fades to black, you see the 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 logos <laughs> and a, mm-hmm. and a uh, copyright credit. Like, what? You just put. There was already an X-Men trailer before the movie even started. Why are you putting another trailer yeah, exactly. in here? Uh, I mean, that was, to me, that was just shameless. Yeah. Uh, just a shameless uh, plug. For, well, actually, it was a and, contractual thing. They kind of, like, just felt, like, bogus. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it was, like, a cross, cross-marketing cross uh, thing between yeah, Fox, and, Fox and Sony. But to me, that was just, and then I waited. I waited till yeah, the, the very, very end. end. Something else, but nope. <laughs> expecting... Nothing expecting something else and there was nothing <laughs> i was like oh come on you make me wait through all these credits for for nothing yeah. in a movie that i didn't even like <laughs> i mean it's my fault but yeah. still but, uh, uh, there were so there were a couple things that i did like about this movie i didn't i don't want to just you know shit all over it and make it sound like it's terrible a lot of the some of the action sequences i did like i liked uh the i felt like just Due to the advances in technology, the way that Spider-Man moved and the way that he looks in this movie, I think, was better than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I do like Mark Webb's directing style. I, mean, I don't know if it has anything to do with Mark Webb or just, you know, Sony, but I like all the relationship stuff that they put in this movie. I think that Mark Webb is known for doing well with, with characters and handling relationships. Mm-hmm. And I liked all the stuff between like Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, and then when he was having his moment with uh, with Aunt May. But I felt like that stuff was not enough to save the movie for me. All right, I like the the, act, the action sequences, especially the electro stuff was great. Um, and the relationships, yeah, the movie was more just Gwen and Peter. That would have been fine too. And I mean, overall, the acting was good and some people didn't really have much to do with anything and they did what they could with it the acting overall was good it was just too bad that the movie it basically doesn't live up to what they're delivering right yeah exactly i mean i I think sally field is great in this i think andrew garfield is a really good choice for spider-man and peter parker i think i love the that's why i like that opening sequence so much because it really felt like I was it it felt like a comic book. It really did. Like it was goofy. He was, you know, throwing jokes out there. It was small scale. It wasn't like this giant city destroying thing. And it was just, you know, Spider-Man fighting the bad guys, doing it in a really clever way, and that was what I wanted more of in this. Mm. But um I, I I'm guess sick of, I'm sick of cities being destroyed. <laughs> like I'm just tired of it, man. Like it it's like everything has to be this huge, you know, scope thing. And it's like, just let's scale it down. Let's just scale it down a little bit. And I, and I felt like Electro was completely overpowered in this. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm not 100% on the comic books, but I'm pretty sure that he couldn't turn himself into lightning in the comic books. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things, I guess the other things were that I'm, I'm assuming that when they made this film and the, the arcs that they chose, they were under the impression that fans knew what was going on. But for 
I'm not saying I'm not a fan, but I know of Spider-Man. I know what's been going on. But so many things go on that I find myself using other previous films to fill in the blanks, which is yeah. uh, unfortunately like with the Harry Osborn thing. I'm like, was Osborn introduced in the first movie? Then I'm like, I'm starting to pull information from the other Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies. I'm like, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. <laughs> and then again, I I couldn't tell you everything about Electro's powers and or, uh, or the whole like there were character. Apparently, there are some characters who actually become more prominent villains or characters later on, but I didn't know that. Well, I know that Felicity Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if she's gonna if they're gonna do anything with her character, but I know that mm-hmm. she she becomes uh, a character later on. Yeah, I mean, I know they they lingered on her for a little bit. They made her kind of a little untrustworthy, but I'm like, mm, all right, whatever. But I had no idea there was actually more to her than than what we know. But yeah. Maybe that was their intention. I don't know. Well, let's but, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some spoilers because there there are a couple big things that we can get into here. So I guess I guess before we get to that, I have to say something about Hans Zimmer's score. Oh, oh yes, uh, let, hated yeah. it. I hated absolutely. It. I'm so glad you said that because there was a there was a point where I leaned over to my girlfriend in our screening and I was like, "What is going on with this music?" I I thought it was terrible. Like I yeah. didn't think it fit at all. It felt it almost felt like it was supposed to be like the Superman theme or something, mm-hmm. it, but it didn't it, like none of it fit. And I hated, and I don't know if this was Hans Zimmer. It might've been because uh, I know Pharrell Williams did some of the music too. Mm. the, all the electro stuff, because there were times yeah. when it, it sounded like somebody was whispering in his head, like it was his thoughts or something, but I couldn't tell yeah. if it was, yeah. if it was his thoughts or if it was the music. <laughs> Right. right there's but the i guess the main thing that bothered me most was in the big first set piece where electro takes over times square and he's in all villain mode and i'm like the music that's underscoring i'm like i'm watching like this is a woody allen movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i i didn't think like, this, the music... like woody, this is like i'm like He's supposed to be Villas and but like like I was starting to kind of laugh at that. I'm like, it's yeah, supposed I, to go. I did not think that the music fit at all. It felt really weird and out of place. But yeah, so I don't know what they were going for with that. And I like how like anytime there was like a big electro fight, it was all like dubstep. You know, it felt had this kind of dubstep electronic feel to it. And I didn't think that any of that stuff worked. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some spoilers. So we'll put the time code in the show notes. So if you haven't seen it yet, you don't want to be spoiled. Just go ahead and skip over this part. The big thing, Gwen Stacy dies. That's like the big the big reveal. I didn't think that they were actually going to go through with it. Like even though with her, their, her whole graduation speech kind of, you know, was some pretty heavy foreshadowing. Uh, uh-huh. I, I still didn't think that they were actually going to go through with it. Now, I know that she dies in the comic books as well. Right. Through a similar similar situation. But I was actually pretty surprised that they that they killed her off. Yeah, again, that would have been a far better way to cap a trilogy than just to cap the movie. Because <laughs> basically, when, when she died, it, I wasn't, like, shocked. I wasn't saddened. I was like, whoa. Okay, move on. But like I, I was like thinking how they how they develop things with uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one and two when two ended and it concluded 
with a close-up on uh, Mary Jane, but it kind of had like a strange undertone and underscore that kind of made it kind of ominous. Like, is she going to die in three? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you're thinking it's like she finally accepted who he is. And it's like, and there's like, there's something's a little off here. Like they might be coming off in three, but they didn't. And just they might. And if they did, that would have been sad. But here, this is only the second movie that we only know who Gwen Stacy is. And suddenly she's dead. I'm like, uh, okay, fine. Cause I barely remember going in. I didn't see a Spider-Man again. I probably should have. And I barely remembered a lot of details of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I only had what two was giving me to go on. And then suddenly she's dead. I was like, and again, I couldn't help but feel that the only reason Green Goblin existed in this movie is as a plot point to kill Gwen Stacy. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like, if they took a whole movie to build up to that moment, right. you're, like, you're like, oh shit. Right. It seems like, because clearly the villain in this is supposed to be Electro. Like, that's the big villain. They spend the most yeah. time with him. They spend the most time with his backstory and his origin. And so why not? Because we already know that they have part f- up to part four planned. Right. Yep. So why not dedicate part three to Dane DeHaan becoming Green Goblin or Hobgoblin? It says Green Goblin on IMDb, but I know that Harry Osborn was supposed to be Hobgoblin. But whatever. Right. Um have him be the goblin and have Gwen Stacy die in part three. That that way they can spend more time on establishing the relationship between Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, establishing the relationship between Peter Parker and Harry Osborn. And then that way everything would be so much more impactful when it, when it does happen, both when Gwen Stacy dies and when Dane DeHaan turns evil, because in this there was just no, I agree with you. I, di- I didn't feel sad. I wasn't like uh, emotionally invested in the fact that she just died. And the same goes for Dane DeHaan. When he turns into the goblin, I was not, I didn't care. Like, because I barely knew this guy. Mm. And I think that if they took the time to flesh out these characters more, and rather than trying to just cram everything into one freaking movie, I think it would have worked out a lot better for them in the end. And then in the fourth one, then they can have, you know, Spider-Man dealing with that loss and, and how that yeah. how that's going to be. Because at the end of this one, see, that, that's another thing. They could have spent a lot of time on him getting over the loss of Gwen Stacy and... Yeah, you know, instead, that's like a two-minute montage yeah. to show the show five seasons ago by or something like that. And, and by the way, I, I thought that that scene was great, like of of him standing there at the the grave. Like I thought that was really effective. But mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, he's back in it. You know, he's back yeah. Spider-Man. So we're not going to see any of that like time with him trying to get back into the swing of things, so to speak, and and get over this loss because mm. by the end of the movie he's already he's he he's worked through all that stuff so and and at the end they show him you know squaring off against rhino for for two seconds before they cut it off which i it, i thought that the rhino suit was stupid <laughs> it looked really weird like it looked it looked very cg like seeing right, pa- right. paul giamatti inside of it it just looked like it, it didn't fit right yeah, I didn't like the rhino, the rhino suit at all. But also, so like we said before, they 
this whole movie feels like it's a big lead up to Sinister Six. And, you know, they, there's that scene at Oscorp where they show like the Doc Ock arms mm-hmm. and um, what was the other one? Vulture. Uh, they showed Vulture, Rhino, and I don't think they showed anybody else. I guess probably wouldn't have because we already saw those. Well, oh wait, Rhino was the third. So I guess there's a, still a sixth one out there. Well, who was the who was the guy who uh, approached Dane DeHaan that was wearing like the fedora? I have no idea who that guy is. I think I, it was. I, uh, I, I think they meant that he said his name, but I didn't hear it. Wasn't isn't there? Uh, what is the guy's name? Or I, th- I think they said he was in the first one too. So because there's the there is the other villain that's in the Sinister Six. It's never been in a spider-man movie i can't remember his name i know what he looks like he wears like a dome on his head oh mysterio Uh, mysterio yeah i'm wondering maybe maybe that guy was mysterio is that possible Uh, maybe (laughs) maybe or maybe they'll just make him mysterio it's like oh yeah that fits let's do it that way (laughs) and then we can get we can get a nice origin story of him at some point Uh, for five for five minutes i'm wondering and then they're also doing because i thought the stinger was going to have venom in it that's what Mm -hmm. i thought that's why I waited, because right. I was like, oh, man, they're going to have Venom in here at yeah, some that's point. The, and that's another thing I'm being concerned with, is like, if he does show up in Spider-Man, is, are they going to give him he, be the focus of the film, or are they going to like throw in more villains in there just to set up the, the eventual Sinister Six movie? Well, that was that was it's... my the biggest problem I had with Spider-Man 3, was that Venom felt like he took such a backseat to everybody, everything yeah. else in that movie. And it pissed me off. Cause I love the character Venom. I think mm. Venom's just such a badass character, but I did, I did read that. So Venom, they're getting a sinister six movie, but Venom is also getting his own mm. spinoff movie. So who knows how they're going to fit all that in. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that, cause what, what comes out first? Spider-Man three comes out first, right? Before sinister I, six, I, I guess uh, three, four and four, Five, I believe, already have release dates, but they still haven't announced any kind of release date for the spinoffs. See, it's it's weird though because nothing nothing about this movie except maybe the Rhino fight at the end felt like a lead up to Spider Man Three, but everything felt like a lead up to Sinister, up to Sinister Six. Six. Yeah, yeah. I also thought that the the uh, the final scene setting up the Sinister Six before Rhino arrives, I like thought that was just kind of heavy handed. <laughs> That could have been a stinger. See, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, just put that stuff at the end because I feel like when you put that stuff in, it cheapens the film. It because it makes mm. it feel like everything that I just watched for like the last two and a half hours was just an just a lead up to the next one. And that that's like the biggest problem I had with this movie is that nothing felt like an actual self-contained story. It just felt like it was a two and a half hour long stinger. Yeah, it's like unlike movie. unlike the two towers or or uh, Desolation of Smaug. It's like it had no it has no conclusion, but you know this is only the middle part of a grander novel. But this one was just almost yeah. like cob- cobbled together. Just like okay, what else can we do? I don't I don't necessarily know that they have an idea of what's going on. Like with with Marvel Probably Studios, not. everything feels like it's purposeful. Like everything feels like they know what they're doing, where they're going. They had the whole thing mapped out, you know, for the next decade. Yeah. But with Spider-Man, it feels like they're just kind of winging it. They're just they're like, you know what? Okay, wait, this didn't yeah. work. Because Mary Jane was supposed to be in this one too, and they cut her out completely. 
So right. I, I would assume that she's going to be in the next one and she'll be the new love interest. So I would assume that with Spider-Man 3, he's going to meet Mary Jane and there's going to be that whole new romance. Yeah, and I guess their next big problem is the fact that Garfield says he's only he only has one film left in his contract and it sounds like he doesn't want to do it anymore after that. What do they do then? Yeah. Or are they are they are they prepared for that? Are they just going to recast? Are they going to follow the comic, kill him off, and bring in a new Spider-Man or something? What are they going to do? And it's to like, me, how much how much is that going to screw up the future? To me, the 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 new the Mark Webb Spider-Man series just feels like a cash grab. Like it's there's some mindless fun to be had for sure, yeah. but I it, just the fact that they rebooted Spider-Man just two years ago. Mm-hmm. made me it just left a bad taste in my mouth because it i knew that it was just sony making sure that they hold on to the rights right and, and the whole time i'm watching it i'm thinking about what spider-man could be if it was under the control of marvel studios and how much cooler it'd be and it's like okay well instead i'm getting this you know mm. and it's like i would rather not have a spider-man movie in the theater at all and just let let the the rights go back to Marvel Studios and then let them fix this. Right. I remember commenting with friends and joking is like after they after Marvel sees it, they's like, okay, here's a billion dollars, just give us our franchises back. I know, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did do that at some point because you know they got to keep adding characters into the Marvel Studios universe. They're gonna have to replace some of these characters that are either gonna die or leave. You know. So at some point, I feel like it has to go back to them. They have to retain mm. the rights. Because mm. I mean, how but, how like how cool would it be to have Spider-Man in the Avengers? Like that's yeah, it's got to happen at some point. But I guess after this movie, there's just no way that the two universes can mix. <laughs> well, they will. They'll have to just reboot it. I feel like yeah. if if Marvel Studios got a hold of Spider-Man, they they could just. They wouldn't have to reboot it again. I feel like that they could just throw him into either his own movie and just have it be completely separate because he's been established. I mean, we know Spider-Man's origin. We don't need another origin. I would argue that we didn't need an origin for the first Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that that was another thing. Like, do we need another origin story? Like, I'm pretty sure every single person in the country knows the origin of Spider-Man at this point. Right, right. And it's just it's just sad because I love Spider-Man. I was I read the comics growing up, huge fan. I was a huge fan of the uh the Fox TV show, the cartoon, the one that was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Huge fan of that. So to to see them just kind of fumble this is uh it's really a shame. Uh yep. any do you want to do any other spoilers for Spider-Man 2? can't really think of anything else. I mean, supposedly... Other than uh, that there are some scenes that you see in the trailer that aren't even in the movie. Well, <laughs> well yeah, going back to the trailer, first, like you said at the beginning, I, I thought that this movie didn't look good from the very beginning. Like, the all the trailers that were released didn't do it for me. I was like, special effects don't look very good. It just doesn't look good at all but then the very last trailer that they put out the last theatrical trailer had me excited for it i was like oh, okay if they only started with that trailer maybe i'd be more excited <clears throat> about this movie but what were what were some of the things that were included in the trailer 
Because I don't remember. There's a exchange between Harry and uh, Norman Osborn where mm. where where he was saying is like was like well what about Peter Parker and then Osborn's is like well not everybody gets a happy ending I'm like that's why I was like confused as to when that scene was in the movie I'm like well would he be bringing up Peter Parker at this point he hasn't even met Peter Parker yet and like oh I guess that must have been an alternate take yeah and then Harry, there was, Harry uh, was uh. Harry was kind of a dick in this movie from the very mm-hmm. beginning. <laughs> like he, yeah. he always seemed like kind of a dick, which didn't, I just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Like yep. it, it's supposed, he's supposed to be good and then turns bad, but still kind of, you know, uh, wrestling with his demons. Yeah. And then there was something else, but now I can't even remember what it was, but, but other than the fact that you actually see the last shot of the movie in the freaking trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Was because they set it up that Rhino's gonna be like one of the main bad guys. They they make you think that he's gonna be a major. Yeah, part yeah. I of guess the movie. I guess timing wise, that's the irritating thing is is like okay, you get Electro, who's a you you could say is the primary villain. He gets the most screen time, and then Green Goblin doesn't make an appearance until like two hours and fifteen minutes into the movie, or or you know, something like that. And then he's only on screen for like five minutes. And then Rhino makes an appearance for like two minutes at the end. So if you're expecting like a Grand Guggenhall three-on-one fight, you're not going to get it. No, no, not going to get it. You're not going to get a lot of things. In, you're going to get a ton of shit in Spider-Man 2, but it's not going to be anything that you want. That is true. All so right. basically this just doesn't, for me personally, this doesn't bode well for Justice League and Batman Superman. No, um... Well, let's let's get out of spoilers and we can talk about that. Uh, so we're back. I think that it doesn't bode well for X Men: Days of Future Past. That's what I'm concerned about now because I in- was I was initially concerned about that too, but somebody told me that it was only like a like a three issue arc. It was like only a hundred pages or something. It was a contain one contained story. So I'm like, okay, because <laughs> I mean. Uh, have you seen the latest trailer for that where it just looks ridiculous? It just looks like there's so much in that movie that's going on. I mean, they're they're jumping through time. There's like 50 yeah, different characters. Yeah, that's the main thing is like I was like confused on their time jumps. I'm like, what what's going on here? I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I'm like, how is this happening? So, but I have more faith in what Brian Singer is going to do with the next two X-Men than what uh sony is going to do with the next 10 spider-mans right and, and that's the key i think that you you said it correctly what sony is going to do because i really don't think that mark webb has much control over what happens here nope i think that no, i, I think that fox is probably giving brian singer a little bit more control over how the story of x-men evolves especially after x-men 3 and mm. what a disaster that was yep i mean i think I'm excited for X-Men. I think that uh, it looks good, but I am concerned because the pattern is the more superheroes, mutants, whatever villains you want to put into a movie, the more muddled it gets and the tougher it is to latch on to any kind of cohesive story. Right. So I I am concerned about it, but I mean, hopefully they'll do it in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, but then with the with the DC universe, the next two big tentpole movies are being directed by Zack Snyder. So 
some people will probably say that great me i'm again very skeptical because i wasn't a huge fan of man of steel and knowing that he has his hands in batman superman and justice leagues so and again i'm like wondering are these even gonna be any good i i have no faith in in dc at all like i've i just lost all faith in what they're and, doing and then what we're complaining about here with the lack of properly introduced villains now they're going just jumping right into it and total lack of introduction to at least five or six characters who should have their own origin movies before being thrown together it's like again too much too soon yeah and you're you're referring to the justice league movie yeah justice well justice league or or uh or sinister six for that matter because nobody knows what's going to be transpiring in three four or five like, are these just going to be against set us or Sinister Six? Is Sinister Six is just going to go right in and then yeah. the audience is left to sort it out? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a mess. It's it's probably going to be a mess. I mean, I think that, I mean, I, I really liked X-Men First Class. I thought that mm. it was quite good. But looking back, it's really just the Michael Fassbender stuff that was really good in that movie. Right. Like that, that was definitely the highlight. So... I don't know about this one. I think that it, it could be good as long as they don't fuck it up with all the different characters. And I heard that Rogue's going to be back in it now. I guess they originally took her scene out, but I guess it's going to be back in now in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And as far as Justice League goes, uh, I, I'm very skeptical, very skeptical of that. I mean, I feel like these each of these characters deserve their own movie, at least one before jumping to a justice league yeah and another one desperately needs a reboot (laughs) yeah being green lantern (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) so i and i'm sure that it won't be the ryan reynolds if they do include green lantern in justice league which i'm sure they will i don't think it'll be ryan reynolds as green lantern which is going to confuse people people aren't going to know i mean i i hope i would hope that they would use john stewart but uh as the green Mm. lantern but Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know how they're going to go with that. I feel like The Flash needs his own movie. I love The Flash. And I think that he deserves his own movie. Right, right. And not just and a, Aqu- a CW. Show. Especially Aquaman. I mean, come on, you really... <laughs> yeah, did, was, that was a rumor that was floating around this week that Matt Damon was going to be Aquaman. I don't think it was yeah. true, though. <laughs> yeah, he laughed it off. But then again, who knows? <laughs> Maybe he really is. It'd be weird. Yeah. It'd be weird to have Ben Affleck as Batman and Matt Damon as Aquaman. <laughs> I think it'd be strange. But uh, anyway, getting back to the Amazing Spider-Man two final thoughts, uh, Ernie. What do you think? What what was kind of like your just general consensus? What are you going to tell somebody that hasn't seen it yet? There are things to like in the movie, but. If you're basically, basically, uh, this is what I told people. If you're a fan of the Marvel universe that Marvel Studios set up, don't expect that here. So I basically just said is like expect something on the level of Spider-Man three, but not as bad. Uh, mo- mostly in terms of character development and and plot. It was just again, I just tell them there's just too much going on for one movie. Some people may just like like that. Others may not. I think that there are some fun sequences in it. I think the dialogue is decent, although there, I, I believe that there are some kind of eye-rolling moments. There, I can't remember. There was like one specific one-liner that Jamie Foxx said 
and I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking like, oh my God, this, this feels like it's Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin all over again. <laughs> but overall, yeah, I, I think, what... I think as far as like big blockbuster popcorn flicks go, it's fine. It's, you just got to turn your brain off and try not to think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that at this point, we've just been kind of spoiled with the Marvel yeah, Studios yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. E- either that or it's just that I'm starting to feel the, f- the fatigue, you know, like the superhero fatigue, because all these movies are starting to feel the same. And I know that a lot of other people have been complaining about that, but this movie just, it does nothing for me. Like, I'm going to forget everything that happened in this movie by next mm-hmm. week guaranteed <laughs> just like i forgot everything that happened in the first one yeah because i liked the first one i didn't think it was great but i liked it and i'm like i could barely remember stuff i was like talking to somebody he's like wait a minute was was c thomas hell on the last one was he in spider-man 3 they're like no 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 that was like oh, okay <laughs> yeah well i completely forgot that he was in that so it shows you how much i retained from the first one i remember liking the first <laughs> one though I, I thought it was fine Comparing the two, you would say that the first one was better than this one? Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say the first one was better. I'm going to say, I guess, I'm going to say they're pretty much the same for me. Like, they were both, I mean, I guess just as far as story and plot-wise, the first one was better just because it was more concise. But there were still, there were a lot mm-hmm. of issues with the plot of the first one. Like, Yeah, with the first one, you look at the only villain was Lizard, and they took their time to develop that character before he finally makes the change. Yeah, so, exactly. Not here. Yeah, not here. <laughs> well, I believe I gave it a five and a half out of ten. What are you gonna What are you gonna give it out of ten? It's for me. It's floating between a four and a half and a five. Probably close to a five because there are elements in that I did like a lot about it, but just the stuff that I didn't like, and also because of the whole Marvel thing weighing down upon it, kind of like clouds my judgment of it a little bit, but. Yeah, I guess I'll go with a five. There you have it. Amazing Spider-Man 2 in theaters now. Oh, quick question. Did you see it in 3D? I saw it in IMAX 3D. IMAX 3D. How how was that? Uh, Overall, primarily in the action scenes, the 3D was really cool. Um, I probably would not advise sitting close if you're seeing it in IMAX 3D. It was like at times I got a little distorted because there was so much going on in three dimensions. I was like, whoa, overload. But yeah, I caught it. I know it was post converted, so I wasn't I wasn't sure. I, I just caught I caught an early screening of it, but it was in two D. Hmm. So all right, well there you have it. Amazing Spider Man two in theaters now. Thank you so much, Ernie, for taking some time to talk with us. Quite welcome. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Last week, we said Amazing Spider-Man 2. You said 67. I said 69. Actual 54. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Walk of Shame. You said 30. I said 32. Actual 12. <laughs> you know, it's so it's mm. so funny. I was kind of hoping. It, it had a zero as of Saturday. It was holding it a zero. And I was like, oh, man, I hope it holds. It didn't. Mm. A couple people liked it. Uh, next week, we have Neighbors. Mm. I think this one's going to be pretty good. This looks pretty funny. I think it's going to be funny. I'll say 79. I'm going to go I'm going to go 80. And we also have Chef. Uh what are you thinking on this? Chef Favreau. Favreau. I'm going to go 78. 
I'm going to say 82 on Chef. And limited release next week, we have Legend of Oz, Dorothy's Return, which I don't know what movie I was in, but I actually saw a trailer for this in in the theater, and it looks like the worst animation ever. It looks like Food Fight animation. Wow. It, not quite that bad, but it looks... It's, it's very, close. Very terrible. It's close. Uh, we also have The Double, the Richard Aote. Oh, thank God. I can't wait to see this damn thing. Yeah, I think it looks uh, looks interesting. I'm interested to see it. Uh, we also have Palo Alto. No. Giacopola's no. movie based on the Fuck. Franco short stories. No. No. I'll check it out. God damn it, I'll, no. I'll see what's going Stop. on with it. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so I also have Mom's Night Out. You more excited about Mom's Night Out? That sounds awful. Whatever that is. Devil's Knot, which we, we actually have a review for that up. Do we? Yeah, Ernie went to a early screening, press screening of that. Supposedly it's very bad. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. This is the one with Colin Firth, right? And Reese Witherspoon? Mm, is this the Adam? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Fed Up also comes out, which is the Katie Couric documentary about nutrition. Oh, fantastic. That sounds Cause we need, cause we need, shit ton of fun. We need, more, we need more documentaries about nutrition. There aren't enough. Exactly. The Wedding Video, which is not the sex tape. Don't get that confused. The sex tape. This is the Wedding Video. Uh, God's Pocket also comes out in limited release. That one I'm actually somewhat interested in, although I heard not very good things out of Sundance on that. Uh, Stage Fright, which I saw at South By, which wasn't too bad, surprisingly. And Damnation also mm. comes out. Documentary about dams. Ooh. I have to say I'm, a, I'm slightly surprised here that uh, the wedding video has stars uh, Robert Webb. Yeah, I saw that. It still looks terrible, but it does. It it does. <laughs> uh, Robert next Webster. week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have The Art of the Steel. Uh, awful nice. I'd recommend that one. Jet skis. Jet skis. If you want to <laughs> learn how to ride a jet ski properly, <laughs> please watch Awful Nice. Breaks it down perfectly for you. Sends them out. Sends them out for supplies. <laughs> comes back with a Virtual Cop Two arcade machine. <laughs> Uh, you yes. come back with a virtual cop machine virtual cop 2 <laughs> <laughs> oh great uh, Mr. Jones also comes out on DVD and Blu-ray uh, skip that Son of Batman which kind of interested in that one generally those uh, DC animated movies are pretty decent so yeah, might might check that out depending on who how the animation is like that's a big factor for yeah. me sometimes the the animation is not appealing to me so i generally skip those uh still mine which i don't know too much about it sounds familiar yeah i don't know it's i didn't look it up and veronica mars oh god veronica mars i'm so glad that that's over it's, for now yeah. until they make a sequel oh, dude, jesus i wonder if they do a sequel if it's going to be on kickstarter not probably i think it'd be crazy if it was Crazy stupid. Uh, All right. Well, I think that, oh, that wraps all oh, criteria. I have one criterion. 
That's right. That is 1951's Ace in the Hole. By Billy, Ace in the Hole. Billy Wilder. Oh. Yeah. Kirk Douglas. Give him perhaps oh. one of his best performances. This is his, uh, Wilder's follow-up to Sunset Boulevard. Sort of a indictment of American culture. Hmm. Especially American media. I'm actually... I want to see this one. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I've never seen it. Yeah. I want to check that out. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net, and we'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. One night to be one night to speed up true We had a promise paid For us and then away Both under influence We had divided To know what to say Me today we have Kevin. How you going? <laughs> yeah. 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 Normally I could just I could just roll it rolls right off the tongue, but sometimes I fuck it up. Alright. Yeah, why not?